विष्णुपदा कृष्ण पृष्ठा भूतले श्रीमते भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी
नमो ओम विष्णुपदाय कृष्ण पृष्ठाय भूतले श्रीमते भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी नीति नामिने नमस्ते सरस्वती देवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिने निर्विशेष शून्यवादी पाश्चात्यदेशतारिने ओम अज्ञान तिमिरांधस्य ज्ञानांजना शलाकया चक्षुरुन मिलितं जीना तस्माइ श्री गुरवे नमः श्री चैतन्या मनोभिष्टं स्थापितं जीना भूतले स्वयं रूपा कदामयहम् दादाति स्वपदान्तिकम् बंदे हम श्री गुरो श्री जुतपादकामलम् श्री गुरुन वैष्णवांशा श्री रूपम सागरजातं सहगना रघुनाथानितं त्वं सजीवं साद्वैतं साबधुतं परिजना सहितं कृष्णाचैतन्यदेवं श्री राधा कृष्णपदान सहगना ललिता श्री विशाखानितंस्चा हे कृष्णा करुणा सिंधो दीनबंधो जगतपते गोपेशा गोपिका कांता राधा कांता नमस्तुते तप्तकांचना गोरांगी राधे ब्रिंदा वनिश्वरी ब्रिशभानु सुते देवी प्रणमामि हरि प्रिये बंचा कल्पतरुभर्षा कृपा सिंधु भयेवचा 
पतिताभ्यो वैष्णवभ्यो नमो नमः श्री कृष्णा चैतन्य प्रभु निनंद श्रीअद्वैत गदाधार श्रीवासदी गौरभक्तवृंद हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 नाम हरे नाम हरे नाम केवल कलो नास्तेजानुलंबित भुज कनकात संकीर्तनकितरो कमलायताक्षर दिजबर जुगधर्म पाल वंदे जगत प्रियकरो हरे कृष्ण इन द रिसेंट टाइम वी आर सीइंग दैट डिवोटीज आर रिकॉग्नाइजिंग द इम्पोर्टेंस ऑफ the chanting of holy name and going deeper and deeper into the practice of this chanting i remember some years ago his holiness giriraj maharaj and burijan prabhu arranged this this japa retreat devotees getting together and chanting the holy name and i could see how deeply the devotees have been affected by that japa retreat through that they not only understood the importance of the holy name but they started to get the taste of chanting the hari krishna mahamantra that reminds me how nishingananda got affected by that retreat <laughs> that giriraj maharaj had and he often used to write to me how how affected he has been by that japa retreat and what a wonderful realization 
they had through this retreat. Then we are also seeing another development that is the Kirtan Mela that was actually started by mainly by Sachin Anand Maharaj. He started to organize the Kirtan Mela and it had a wonderful effect in the devotees. And now uh, these activities are becoming more and more prevalent, more and more popular, and uh, devotees are benefiting from that. In Mayapur, during the Gaur Purnima festival, for last couple of years, Kirtan Mela has become one of the most important features of the festival. Many devotees who wouldn't have otherwise come to Mayapur festival, Gaur Purnima festival, especially youngsters, <laughs> they're just coming for <laughs> the Kirtan Mela. And it's happening like all over. It has become a regular feature in Germany. It has become a regular feature in uh, Hungary, UK, uh, and Australia also they are having Kirtan Mela. South Africa also having Kirtan Melas. And following their footsteps, we're also going to have a Kirtan Mela this year, I mean coming year in Ujjain. <laughs> Ujjain's uh, centennial celebration. I'm sorry, uh, uh, anniversary is on Nitananda Trayadasi day. And during that time we are thinking of having, we decided to have a Kirtan Mela in Ujjain. So with that, in, with that in mind, this time I thought that I will give a seminar on the holy name. Uh, it is important that we understand of course, through these practices and actually from Srila Prabhupada's teachings, we are understanding the importance of holy name. That's from the big that's that's the thing that we learned practically from the beginning of our spiritual life in Iskon. We began to realize the importance of the holy name. And then now we are seeing that how devotees are going deeper and deeper into that. Although Prabhupada gave everything in his books, but uh, in the early days, we could not really get the opportunity to go deep into that. Um, we were uh, new in the movement, we are inexperienced, we are young, and uh, Prabhupada was there and uh, we, we just had everything from Srila Prabhupada. And Prabhupada meant everything to us those days. Uh, we simply depended upon Prabhupada. Our spiritual life those days was mainly based on just Srila Prabhupada. Prabhupada was there and we thought that way. Uh, 
attachment to Prabhupada is everything that we needed. But then, uh, by Krishna's divine arrangement, Prabhupada left the planet, went back to the spiritual sky, and then we were left alone, and initially there was a struggle to just uh, maintain the mission, maintain the movement. It was a big struggle. Uh, it was like a bunch of young children uh, now got the responsibility to take care of the affairs after the father left. And it was a big struggle. Many mistakes were made. Devotees, sincere devotees were struggling just to keep the movement going. But then, uh, now the movement is quite well situated, quite well established. It's growing. The crisis that our movements felt or experienced after Srila Prabhupada's disappearance, to a great extent, those have been overcome. And now, ISKCON is moving forward in a steady pace. At least we feel quite confident that now ISKCON's situation has become quite stable and it's growing. And now we are seeing that how the devotees have a natural inclination to get, go deeper into experiencing the importance of this movement, the necessity of the practicing this movement and delving deep into the philosophy of our practice. So with that in mind, we are holding various seminars and we are having various workshops and so forth just to benefit the devotees. Today I was actually recalling I think the first seminar I had in Durban was in this temple room. And we had, I had, the, I gave the seminar on Brahma Samhita. We didn't have this elaborate arrangements <laughs> of this dais and rasas and chairs. We all just sat there, all sat on the floor, on the carpet, and we had this seminar on Brahma Samhita. How many of you remember that? Jagatananda, you remember that? <laughs> yeah. So. And it was, I think, three in the evenings only we had, three or four evenings we had here, right? <laughs> that, uh, that's one thing about the South African devotees. I find that they are very serious about their spiritual life. Most of them are very keen to go deep into this practice of Krishna consciousness the philosophy of Krishna Consciousness and the, the importance of recognizing the importance of Krishna Consciousness. So, anyway, I'm very happy that you all came and we are getting another opportunity to discuss about the 
for some very important topic the holy name the holy name the holy name is it simply indica indicates the name of the supreme personality of godhead krishna and especially in this age this holy name has a very special significance because this is the yuga dharma uh, chanting and meditating on the holy name congregational chanting of the holy name is the dharma of this age there are four ages satya yuga in a cycle there are four uh, sections four ages that makes one cycle uh, begins with satya yuga then treta yuga then dwapar yuga then kali yuga that's one cycle just like a day has different sections morning afternoon uh, evening uh, different phases that motai moves on so in a larger concept of time time moves in this yuga cycle so and for different yugas there are different dharmas in satya yuga people are very pure they are very pure dharma was perfectly established dharma means the laws that have been given by the supreme personality of godhead the rules and regulations that have been given by the supreme personality of godhead that is called dharma dharma is not some faith or something or some belief dharma actually is in simple word dharma is the law of the universe in the states different states they have laws different countries have different laws but the ultimate law of the universe is the law that has been given by the supreme personality of godhead and following the dharma uh, is the uh, goal of life just like abiding by the law is the duty of a citizen a good citizen's responsibility or good citizen's duty is to abide by the law when one abides by the law he lives peacefully and he gets various benefits when one breaks the law everybody knows what happens uh, breaking the law means crime committing a crime and uh, the crime leads to punishment you commit a crime you'll be punished now it is of course uh, you can bribe the law i'm sorry the judges <laughs> and the authorities and get away but in the ultimate law krishna's law there is no way of getting away you can't bribe jamraj uh, he is the real uh, ultimate chief justice yes you can bribe him one way by chanting the holy name 
if uh, remember this if by chance you end up in Jamalaya if by chance Jamadutas come and arrest you Jamadutas are like the police uh, if they come and arrest you and take you to the chief chief justice Jamraj uh, then the best way to deal with him is offering obeisances and say Bansha Kalpa Tarubhascha Kripa Sindhu Bhaivacha Patitanang Pavanebhya Vaishnavibhya Namunama Jamraj will dismiss your case altogether. Why? Is it a way of bribing Jamraj? No, Jamraj doesn't care for any bribe. But this is the ultimate goal of life. Abiding by the law means accepting the authority of the king. So similarly, ultimate consideration of Dharma is to surrender to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So this way, when you surrender yourself, express your surrender to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, uh, then a Mahajan like Jamraj will naturally be very pleased and he will consider, well, fine, uh, you, are, you are not a criminal anymore. Uh, you have surrendered to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, therefore you have achieved the ultimate perfection of your existence. So in a way, that is the wonderful process that we have received, that we have been awarded with by Srila Prabhupada. He gave us the perfect process. Wherever we go, if we just chant the holy name of the Lord and express our submission to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, we will be free from all difficulties and miserable conditions of this material nature. So anyway, to go back to dharma aspect, uh, dharma means the law given by the Supreme Personality of God. And there is a process to follow this dharma. Uh, and different yugas have different ways of practicing the dharma. According to the qualification, uh, of the people, according to the ability of the people of that age. The first age is Satya Yuga. Uh, Satya means truthfulness, truth. It has another name, Krita Yuga, Krita Yuga. Krita means in that age they are all their they have achieved their ultimate perfection. They have they're perfect. Krita, everything has been accomplished. Whatever they want they can get it, because they are so perfect. And in that age, they are so, so qualified that they can very easily withdraw themselves from the material uh, involvement. Material involvement means uh, attachment to sense objects. Consciousness fl flows through the senses to the objects of the senses. That is the natural tendency. We have our senses and consciousness is flowing through the senses. With the eyes we are seeing. What we see, 
with the eyes, the objects of uh, the eyes. Form. Ears, what is the uh, object of hearing? Sound. Skin, what is the object? Touch. Tongue, what is the object? Taste. And nose, what is the object of our olfactory organs? Uh, smelling. <coughs> smell. Uh, so in this way, the five senses are constantly running towards the objects of the senses. Eyes want to see, not only see, when I see something attractive, I say, immediately the tendency is, I want it. Uh, ears, beautiful sound, runs towards it. Uh, hand or skin wants to touch something pleasing. Uh, and this is how all the senses are actually dragging us towards the objects of the senses. Meaning, all the senses are dragging our consciousness towards the objects of the senses. And as a result of that, we are completely trapped in this material nature. Our consciousness is constantly flowing towards the objects of the material nature. And that is the cause of our entanglement. As a result of that attraction, we desire, we develop desires. I want this. We become attracted to something, then immediately uh, the desire is, I want it. I want it. And uh, that is what happened. Dhyate vishayan pumsha sangaste shupajayate sangat sangjayate kamo kamat krodho bhijayate. Uh, you all know this. Uh, that how the senses are running towards the objects of the senses. Vishayan. And as a result of that, lust develops. Lust means desire to enjoy those objects. And that's how we become entangled. Uh, lust leads to uh, frustration. Desire to enjoy leads to frustration. Frustration leads to anger. And as a result of anger, krodhad bhavati sanmoha, we become bewildered and so forth. And ultimately we are uh, completely lost doomed. But in Satya Yuga, people were so powerful, their consciousness was so pure, that very easily they could withdraw their senses. Because in order to meditate, the first prerequisite is actually to withdraw the senses from the objects of the senses. What does meditation mean? Meditation means Withdraw the senses and project it internally. How can we project our consciousness internally to the super soul who is situated in the heart if our senses are running here, there and everywhere? Uh, will it be possible? No. We see even while we are chanting the mind is running here, there and everywhere. Uh, we can't focus our mind for too long. Few minutes, then mind runs away. 
So, <clears throat> meditation actually is the most difficult thing. Nowadays, of course, people are so... Meditation has become such a common fashion. Uh, yoga meditation. Uh, pranayam. <laughs> people are just propagating some unscrupulous people, are propagating and misleading people this, with this practice. Uh, pranayam, uh, two minutes, uh, you do. <laughs> breathe out from your left nose, then breathe in from, with your left nose, then breathe out from your right nose, and breathe in from your right nose. Uh, and it's going on. People are just caught up in that. They say, oh, we are practicing yoga. But if you consider yoga, yoga actually has eight stages. Out of that, the four, fifth stage is pratyahara. Then the sixth stage is actually meditation. The, the other stages, pre, pre, other previous stages are just a just a preparation for meditation. Uh, external purification, yam. Uh, internal purification, niyam, asan. And then the fourth stage, just consider the, how difficult it is. The fourth stage is pratya, I'm sorry, pranayam. Pranayam is not just uh, breathing in and breathing out. The process of respiration is not just breathing in and breathing out. Uh, the respiration, the practice of respiration becomes effective only when one learns the, uh, the real aspect of breathing called or real aspect of pranayam called kumbhak. Retaining the air. Uh, retaining. Not just breathing in, breathing out. Retaining. Meaning, stop breathing. Stop breathing. Why it is important? Huh? Because our breathing is directly connected to our thought process. The mind's activities are connected to our breathing. Now, when your mind is agitated, how do you breathe? And when your mind is peaceful, how do you breathe? Like when the mind is agitated, we breathe uh, very heavily. But when mind is peaceful, then the breathing is also very smooth. Uh, so in this way, by stopping to breathe practically, they control their thoughts, control their mind. And then only they are able to withdraw the senses and bring them within the control of the mind. That means uh, the senses are not functioning externally anymore. The mind has, the consciousness has been withdrawn in the mind and then it is projected into the heart. Dhyan. Then the dhyan meditation begins. So how many of us will be able to do that? What to speak of us? Even in Treta Yuga they were not able to do that. Satya Yuga, after Satya Yuga came Treta Yuga. The people of Treta Yuga were not able to practice that meditation. Therefore, the Yuga Dharma Krishna gave as the Yuga Dharma is sacrifice. 
sacrifice. Sacrifice means offer everything to Krishna. Through the practice, through the performance of sacrifice, they would, they would offer. But after that, they would literally give out everything. The kings would perform these sacrifices and they would give in charity. They would, the ultimate act of sacrifice used to be giving out, giving everything in charity. I remember when in our history, we, when we were young, we heard about, we read about one king. Not too long ago, he's maybe 2000 years or 1500 years ago in India. His name was Harsha Barthan. And he gave out in charity everything. Ultimately, he gave out his royal robe. He was just wearing a loincloth, gave everything. So that is how the kings would give out uh, in charity. And then, so sacrifice means, uh, sacrifice. <laughs> Simple, <laughs> sacrifice. But for whom? For the sake of Krishna. We have to offer everything to Krishna. That is another very important practice. Because through this practice we learn uh, to free ourselves from material entanglement and prepare ourselves for death. At the time of death, whether you like it or not, you have to sacrifice everything. So better do it voluntarily. Uh, okay. Hidam Krishnaya Namama. That is the mantra of sacrifice. This is for Krishna, not for me. This is for Krishna, not for me. This is for Krishna, not for me. So what is left for me? I am also for Krishna. <laughs> Krishna, please accept me. And that is the goal of life. Sarvadharman Padittaja, Mami Kam Offer yourself to me. Then Ahantvam Sarvapapi Bhyo Then I will deliver you from all your sinful reactions. Don't worry about it. Then in Dwapar Yuga, people lost their ability even to perform sacrifice. Therefore, the process is deity worship. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is worshipped in the temple. See how gradually the process is becoming simplified. The most difficult process was in Satya Yuga. It has become simplified in Treta Yuga. In Dwapar Yuga, it has become even more simplified. Uh, and then in Kali Yuga, at least in other Yugas, people had some inclination towards Dharma. But in Kali Yuga, there is no consideration for Dharma. People are so fallen. Therefore, Krishna gave uh, the process of chanting the holy name of the Lord. In a way, chanting the holy name of the Lord is the most wonderful process. Just see, in Satya Yuga, they would meditate upon the Supreme Personality of God. 
in Treta Yuga, they would perform sacrifice and then from uh, when the sacrifice was properly performed, then the Lord would appear from the sacrificial fire. In Dwapar Yuga, the Lord is already manifest in the temple and you are getting an opportunity to worship Him. See how it is becoming more and more simplified and more and more personal? Like the, in Dwapar Yuga, the Lord, you can directly worship the Lord. Such a wonderful opportunity. But in Kali Yuga, you can directly address the Lord. It is something like, consider a very important person. A very important person. Even to approach him is very difficult. Even to approach a very important person is very difficult. Now, can you just call a very important person by his name? Like, uh, for example, uh, what's the name of the president of South Africa? Jacob Zuma. Jacob Zuma. Can you just walk up to him and say, Hi, Zuma, how are you? So now, you cannot even approach a state president uh, and address him by his name. Now can you imagine the, having the prerogative, having the opportunity to call the Supreme Personality of Godhead by his name? Uh, what an amazing uh, prerogative it is, what an amazing opportunity it is, calling him by the name. Krishna, uh, who are you calling actually? So this opportunity was not available in other ages. When you say for example when you are worshipping the Lord, how do you do it? You, you worship by chanting mantra. There is a specific mantra and by chanting that mantra in a specific way you have to do the worship. But in this age, what, we, what opportunity we have? What special prerogative we have? Just call him by his name. So that is the amazing good fortune that the living entities, especially human beings of the age of Kali has received, have received. That's why when Navajogendras, the nine Jogendras, were having a discussion with King Nimi, uh, they told him, hmm, Prabuddha, uh, one of the nine Jogendras, told him that the age of Kali has a wonderful uh, opportunity. Age of Kali has one wonderful quality. Astihi eko mahan guna, a great advantage. Kali Yuga has one great advantage. That is just by chanting the holy name of the Lord, one can become free from his material bondage. Although the age of Kali is a very degraded age. That was also Parikshit Maharaj's consideration. When he confronted Kali, he was about to kill him. Now, which king would tolerate that a cow and bull is being tortured, Mother Earth herself is being tortured, Dharma is being tortured to an extent that three legs of Dharma, three 
pillars of dharma is broken, who will allow that? Especially a, a justifi- just and noble and religious king. So Parikshit Maharaj was about to kill him. But Kali begged for his life. <clears throat> and Parikshit Maharaj uh, granted it. Okay, fine. I will let you live. Now Parikshit Maharaj's consideration at that time was that Kali Yuga has in one hand it has a great disadvantage but, the ad- but at the same time it has a great advantage as well. And when he measured uh, the, when he compared the advantage and disadvantage then he saw that the advantage prevails over the disadvantage. And that's why he said, okay, I will let you survive, I'll let you live. And you can see what the places, what places Kali, Parikshit Maharaj gave to Kali. The four places of Adharma. Okay, you will spread your Adharma, you have these four places, meat eating, intoxication, illicit sex and gambling. And the fifth place is gold. Now, about this gold, there is another consideration. It's not just gold. The gold that is not used in Krishna's service, that gold is the place of Kali. When gold is used in Krishna's service, then this gold is Lakshmi. Uh, That is not Maya. Lakshmi's perverted reflection is Maya. So this is how Parikshit Maharaj actually made this, uh, Parikshit Maharaj uh, allowed Kali to make this arrangement. Okay, fine, you spread your influence, but unto whom? Uh, those who are in total ignorance, those who do not want to accept uh, the words of the saintly people. Uh, they will be uh, suffering in this miserable condition. But those who will listen to the saintly people's advice, those who will listen to the devotees of the Lord, they will get an amazing benefit. And for that, what they will do? They will follow the four regulative principles. No meat eating. Why? Because it's a place of Kali. No intoxication. It's a place of Kali. No illicit sex. Place of Kali. No gambling. Place of Kali. So no to these four principles is no place for Kali. Uh, These people, those who follow this, will not be affected by Kali. And then they will have the advantage of chanting the holy name of the Lord. And the advantage is, uh, and having an opportunity to directly uh, deal with the Supreme Personality of God. Now there is another consideration, that is the general consideration, Satta Treta Dwapar Kali. But this Kali is a very special Kali Yuga. How many of you know that, that how this Kali Yuga is a very special one? Please raise your hands. 
This Kali Yuga is a very special Kali Yuga because in this Dwapar Yuga Krishna came. This Krishna is not an incarnation. This Krishna is not a Yuga Avatar. This Krishna is not an Avatar. This Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This Supreme Personality of Godhead <coughs> comes only once in a day of Brahma. There are different Yugas, various Yugas and in various Yugas various incarnations of the Lord are coming. But he himself comes only once in thousand Chaturjuga, once in a day of Brahma. And when he, what does it mean that Krishna comes? This Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is not an incarnation. Or in simple words we can say that this Krishna uh, is not the Supreme Personality of Godhead from Vaikuntha. In other Yugas, in other Kali Yugas, even by the Sankirtan process, when they achieve their spiritual perfection, they end up in Vaikuntha. They go to Vaikuntha. But this Krishna has revealed Vrindavan. This Krishna came from Vrindavan. He is not from Vaikuntha. Uh, incarnations are from Vaikuntha. Uh, but this Krishna is from Vrindavan. And what's so special about Vrindavan? As I mentioned that in Vrindavan, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. Which Krishna is this? This Krishna is the son of Nanda Maharaj. Uh, this Krishna comes and reveals Vrindavan pastimes. What is Vrindavan pastimes? Uh, Vrindavan pastimes are the pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead where he is allowing his devotees to develop a relationship with him as a friend, as father and mother and as his girlfriend. That's not possible in Vaikuntha. So that is the special uh, aspect of Krishna of Vrindavan and in order to allow his devotees to develop these relationships like that of a friend or parents or uh, girlfriends uh, he is not acting like the Supreme Personality of God. In Vrindavan Krishna is not a not the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Although he is the Supreme Supreme Personality of Godhead, but in Vrindavan he is not the Supreme Personality of God. He is not acting like the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He is acting as a cowherd boy. And what's he doing? He is having his loving exchange with his friends, with his parents and with his lovers. That is the special prerogative, that's the special aspect of Vrindavan. So this Vrindavan pastimes of Krishna is revealed once in a day of Brahma. Otherwise people don't have information about Vrindavan. Had you not have come in this age at this time, we wouldn't have, had you have come 
even in Satya Yuga, even in this millennium, in this Chatur Yuga, we would have missed it. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have known who Krishna is. It happened only in Dwapar Yuga. That was at the end of Dwapar Yuga, at the very end of Dwapar Yuga, about 140 years. Uh, then uh, Krishna per performed his pastimes for 140 years and when he withdrew his pastimes, Dwapar Yuga ended, Kali Yuga began. But then also people did not really understand who this Krishna is. There are many, even the Vaishnavas thought that this Krishna is an incarnation of Kshiradakshay Vishnu. Other Sampradayas thought that they, this Krishna is an incarnation. And this is his pastime, he is performing his pastimes in this way, uh, in Vrindavan. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came and he revealed the secret. He came and he pointed out that this Krishna is the original Supreme Personality of Godhead. <clears throat> and his Vrindavan pastimes are the most excellent pastimes. Vrindavan means joy, Ananda. Krishna is Anandamai. And this Anandamai aspect of Krishna has become perfectly manifest in Vrindavan, especially through his dealings with Srimati Radharani. And the way to do it, way to have access to Vrindavan, way to get the eligibility to enter into Vrindavan is through uh, congregational chanting of the Holy So now let's going to get into holy name. Holy name. Actually the Sanskrit word for that is Mahamantra. Mahamantra. Yesterday during the initiation I briefly discussed about this point. Uh, that sound. Uh, there are, in this world there are Generally, there are two types of sounds. One sound is meaningful, meaningless sound. Sound, did it convey any meaning? Huh? Glass of water. This is also sound. What did it do? Convey some meaning? There is a glass of water. Huh? When I say it, and if you understand the language, <laughs> then it conveys some meaning. So meaningless sound, meaningful sound. The meaningful sounds convey uh, certain uh, objects or certain feelings or emotions, etc. Mm. Or certain uh, action. He is walking. Right? When he this sound is carrying certain meaning uh, to the listener. Uh, but if we say blah, 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 <laughs> probably it will contain some meaning. <laughs> so, uh, so this is how there are uh, 
in this world there are uh, we can see that there are two types of sound meaningless sound and meaningful sound but beyond this world there is another world and the sound that comes from that world is called mantra mantras are not just some uh, ordinary uh, fabricated sounds mantras are actually sound that is coming from that world and just as the sound of this world conveys some meanings similarly these mantras convey some meaning from that world these mantras convey some personalities from that world and therefore this uh, mantra meditate mantra is meant to be meditated upon and by meditating on the mantra one is elevated to the spiritual sky so <clears throat> this mantra so here again we are another point that we should be very very concerned about uh, is that meditation is not just sitting there uh, trying to make your mind blank uh, meditation must be supported uh, or with the help of a mantra meditating on the mantra chant the mantra Uh, meditate upon the mantra and as a result of that the mantra will reveal the spiritual sky that is what mantra does adibho gyan hrde prakashit tene brahmharida adi kavaye muihanti jatsuraya brahmharida that transcendental knowledge was revealed in the heart so by chanting the mantra by meditating upon the mantra the transcendental uh, reality becomes revealed the spiritual sky becomes revealed that has been very wonderfully explained in brahma samhita <coughs> when brahma meditated upon the mantra gayatri that he received from krishna the spiritual sky was revealed in the heart of brahma brahan <coughs> brahma was transported to the spiritual sky so <coughs> so that is how the mantra actually helps us to become elevated to the spiritual sky so this mantras are known as gayatri <coughs> mantras are gayatri now gayatri has three aspects vij naam and nyas is three aspect as one aspect of gayatri is vij every gayatri should have a vij Like how many of you are second initiated here? Uh, okay. So uh, you know that every Gayatri has the Vij. Like for example, Brahma Gayatri Vij is Om. Guru Gayatri Vij is Oin. Uh, Gaur Gayatri and Krishna Gayatri is Kling. 
So these are the Vij of the Gayatri. Vijas of Gayatri. Seed of the mantra. Then Nam, the personality who is being indicated by this mantra, his name is there. Like if Krishna is being indicated, if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is indicated, in the, then his name will be there. Uh, if Durga is being indicated, her name will be there. If Radharani is being indicated, her name will be there. Uh, so in this way, different Gayatris have uh, different personalities who is actually being indicated through the Gayatri. So that personality's name is there. That's the second aspect. And the third aspect is Gayatri is meant for meditation. And how to meditate? That instruction is given. That is the third aspect, which is known as Nyas. Bij, Nam, and Nyas. Now, out of these three things, which one is most important? Uh, whatever is in the middle, that's the most important. Like in Bhagavad Gita, sometimes people say that first six chapter deals with Karma Yoga, second six chapter deals with Gana Yoga, um, Bhakti, and third is Gana. Uh, therefore, uh, after Karma Yoga is Bhakti, and the highest is Gana. But is that the fact? Uh, what did Prabhupada pointed out, or what did our Acharyas point out? Hmm. The most valuable object do you keep on the outskirts or you keep it in the middle where do you keep your safe <laughs> in your garden <laughs> or you keep it <laughs> in the right inside your house huh? or huh? in a locket where is the most precious jewel here no, right in the middle. So similarly, <coughs> Naam uh, is in the middle because that is the most important aspect. Bij is there, Nas is there, but Naam is the most important thing. Now in a mantra where there is no Vij and no Nas, but only Naam and Naam and Naam. That is called Mahamantra. Uh, like you can see, uh, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Uh, sometimes uh, somebody came and told Prabhupada that some people are chanting Om Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Prabhupada said that's nonsense. Prabhupada said, Hare Krishna Mahamantra should be chanted just as it is. No addition and no subtraction. Just as it is. Hare Krishna. Sometimes some devotees were chanting uh, in Vrindavan. They were rolling Kirtan. Beautiful Kirtan was going on during Prabhupada's Guru Puja. Prabhupada was there. And one devotee started to chant. Bhaja Hare Krishna Hare Krishna. And mind you, about 250 devotees bouncing up and down, you know, in ecstasy. Prabhupada roared, stop the kirtan. 
And Prabhupada shouted at the devotee, Where did you learn this Hare Bhaja Hare Krishna Hare? Uh, and then also he pointed out, Hare Krishna Mahamantra should be chanted just as it is. Just Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare <coughs> So that is why it is a Mahamantra. Aren't you familiar with another Mahamantra? Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadatha Shivashadi Now mind you, why it's a Mahamantra? Just names. So that's why this is also Mahamantra. So that's why uh, this Mahamantra is the crest jewel of all mantras. That's the, hmm, the ultimate mantra, the greatest of all mantras. So we got this. Now what is Mahamantra going to do if we chant this Mahamantra properly? Now let us get into another aspect. Chanting. When we are chanting, what is the natural requirement? Uh, when you are eating, what is the natural requirement? You put the food in your mouth. Right? You can't put <laughs> food in the ears and say I am eating. You have to put it in your mouth because food should go to the mouth. That is the way to receive food. Mouth is the way to receive the food. And then the rest happens. It naturally goes to the stomach. And the stomach does the rest. Uh, digests it and uh, takes care of the food. So just as mouth is the medium through which food is received, what is the medium through which sound is received? Hearing. So, so this Mahamantra is, uh, what is this Mahamantra? Transcendental sound vibration. Uh, so sound vibration. So how this sound vibration should be received? Huh? Through hearing. It has to be received by hearing through our ears. Now how does some, some of our senses, how, the, how do our senses receive the objects of the senses? <coughs> How do we, how do the senses receive the objects of the sense? Okay, I'll give you an example. Eyes, what do the eyes receive? Form. Objects of the eyes are form. Now say you are standing in front of somebody and your mind is somewhere else. Will you see him? So what is important? that your mind should be tuned into that sense. Ah. Then only it will, you will be able to perceive hmm, through the sense. 
Now our hearing, sound is there, our ears are there. But how do we receive the sound? Through our ears, alright, through hearing. But what should be behind our hearing? The mind. Therefore, Haridas Thakur pointed out that one of the most important aspects of chanting is attentive chanting. In our ten offenses, this attentive chanting is not included. Why? Because it's taken for granted. When these ten offenses were prescribed or, or pointed out, they were serious people. So for them it was taken for granted that they would chant attentively. <laughs> so that's why it was not included, but Prabhupada included it. What comes after 10th offense? It's also an offense to be inattentive while chanting. It's not only an offense, it's the worst offense actually. So when you are chanting, the one of the most important considerations should be hearing. And mind should be there, like, how do you hear? When the mind is there, then only you hear. If the mind is somewhere else, do you hear? You don't hear. So hearing with, the, with attention, attentive chanting is one of the most important considerations. Or not only one of them, the most important consideration. So mind you, this attentive chanting is the most important consideration. Then comes the ten offenses. So don't commit those offenses. How many of you remember ten offenses? Okay, those who do not remember, please memorize them. It's very important that we guard ourselves against these offenses because then the holy name will not become manifest. It will be offensive. Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur pointed out that offensive chanting is not really chanting. It is committing offenses, not chanting. Not even offensive chanting, committing offenses. You are committing offenses to the Holy Name. So one should be very, very careful uh, for, about these two things. Attentive chanting and offenseless chanting. Then what will happen? This name is Krishna is, this name is Krishna himself. Like as we said, we have a wonderful opportunity to address the Supreme Personality of Godhead. How dare we do that? Because he said you can do that. That's why we dare to do that. Uh, just as I gave you the example, uh, Jacob Zuma. Uh, you can't just call him, hey Jacob, how are you? <laughs> but if he tells you, uh, well, why don't you call me by my name? Then can you do that? Then will he take any offense? No. Similarly, because Krishna himself said that you can address me by my name, we dare to address him by his name. And then everything is there in this name, holy name. 
everything is there in the holy name. And Mahaprabhu himself said, through chanting of this holy name, you will achieve all perfection. All perfection. Siddhi. Uh, Siddhi literally means uh, in one hand perfection or another simplified meaning of Siddhi will be hmm, that achieving your desired goal. Whatever you desire, when you get that, that is called Siddhi. Like you are studying to sit for an exam. And what is the goal at that time? To pass the exams nicely. So when you pass the exams, you achieve the perfection. Siddhi. <laughs> Graduation. Masters. So these are all some kind of Siddhis. Somebody wants a lot of money uh, and he gets the money, Siddhi. <laughs> Somebody wants to fly, he is able to fly, it's a Siddhi. So these are the kinds of Siddhi that one actually achieves in a material platform. But Mahaprabhu is saying, Sarva Siddhi, all your desires, in simple words, all your desires will be fulfilled. You chant this holy name, all your desires will be fulfilled. So, that is what this holy name is going to give us. Chanting the name, holy name properly is going to give us. And, okay, I will leave some time for question answers. And I'll briefly also mention how I'll go about like today, I re remember, I just briefly mentioned about Krishna's special pastimes of Vrindavan having been revealed in this Dwapar Juga. It's a very, very special, uh, very, very wonderful uh, stroke of good f fortune. Now, that Braja entrance to Vrindavan will be possible through the chanting of the holy name. So that we will discuss in the second part, the second session, which will start, I think, at five, at five o'clock. Okay, so in, uh, in a short while, we'll have a break and have, you all have lunch, and then we'll meet again at five. So then I will discuss about that from Brihad Bhagavatam Rita. What uh, this holy name is ultimately going to give us. And then tomorrow we'll have two sessions. Uh, and in the first session tomorrow, we will discuss about Bhakti Vinod Thakur is describing the glory of the holy name. What this holy name will give us when we chant the holy name. Uh, so that we'll discuss in tomorrow's session, morning session, and then <clears throat> in the afternoon session uh, we will uh, consider that how uh, I will request you all uh, to give your experiences, what you have 
uh, like uh, I will request those who are willing uh, I will request them to speak about your personal experiences uh, like what actually happened I'm sure everybody have some wonderful uh, experience to share with after you are you have accepted the process of chanting the holy name mm. so we will and I'll also add something to that uh, like how this chanting of the holy name has affected different devotees mm. briefly I can just mention about one person uh, like this is an ordinary very simple housewife in London she was not a very educated she was a simple Gujarati housewife but a very nice person and she got cancer when she got cancer the family members were so worried that they didn't want to tell her that she got cancer but when she was told that she got cancer she was least bothered about it and she was taking the treatment and her desire was to go to Mayapur so we made arrangements for her to go to Mayapur but in Mayapur she stayed for a few months but there she was not getting proper treatment natural treatment so she had to come back to London so she came back to London stayed there her condition improved and when her condition improved she started to render service in the temple in the deity department the backup department deity backup department and then her condition deteriorated uh, and all along uh, she was not at all affected not at all affected by that and all she wanted is to render service all she wanted is to be with the devotees and <clears throat> so at that time I was in America I was in New Vrindavan I was filming Abhay Charan so I got a phone call I used to be in touch with them and I was told that the doctor said she has about 15 I mean about a week left so I just next day I just flew to London and from the airport I straight went went straight to her house and uh, I was thinking that her condition is so bad probably she'll be very very sick and bedridden but when I went there uh, she just got out of her bed to, and wanted to offer obeisances to me anyway I uh, finally I had to although I was telling her not to do that but finally I had to let her do that and she was talking as if nothing happened uh, she was she may have been told also that she has only a few days left but she was not at all affected by that uh, and anyway I was there for three days and uh, at that time actually she expressed a desire that she wanted to go to Vrindavan but the way she was being 
uh, cared for. So many devotees are coming every day to see her and all. So I told her that, look, this is Vrindavan. Uh, where all the devotees are, they're expressing so much love and care. This is Vrindavan. There's no need to go to Vrindavan. This is Vrindavan. So she accepted it. Okay. Then, <clears throat> not for seven days, but she stayed for about 15-16 more days and it was during the Janmashtami time and when she left her body she had her Japamala in her hand she was chanting and just as when she was leaving her body she lifted her Japamala placed it on her head and left her body now just consider like what gave her uh, this kind of spiritual awareness uh, to leave her body in this way, to come to this kind of consciousness? The holy name. That also reminds me recently in Mayapur, one of our god brothers had been attacked by some miscreants. Five of them attacked him. He was on the fifth floor. And from fifth floor, it was not Mayapur in the, our temple area premises. It was outside. He used to live in outside. And he is a South American. He came down. Uh, anyway, he was taken to the hospital. When he was taken to the hospital in Krishnanagar, which is the nearby town, uh, they expressed the doctors express their doubt that whether he'll survive. Anyway, he was taken to Calcutta and when he was being taken, one of my god brother, one of our god brothers wrote to us that when he was being carried in a stretcher, he was speaking as if nothing happened to him. Mind you, he was so badly injured that they had to have 150 stitches in his body, 150 stitches and some serious ones. But our God brother Ajamil Prabhu wrote to me that he was actually thinking when seeing him, he was remembering Bhishma Dev. Although lying in a bed of arrows, he is speaking about the ultimate dharma as if nothing happened to him. So he was feeling like, I mean, he was, he lost a lot of blood. He was, you know, doctors were considering whether he will even survive. But he's speaking and what he was speaking? Well, after all, it's my karma. <laughs> I must have done something in the past and as a result of that, this has happened to me. Anyway, I'm not this body. <laughs> so how can one come to this kind of elevated consciousness? as if he is completely uh, separated from his body. He is not in his body consciousness at all. How can these things happen? And these are the practical demonstration of performing uh, devotional service to Krishna. This is the ultimate proof of the benefit of chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Hare Krishna, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Does anybody have any question? 
Yes. Swasti. Dhruva Maharaj. Yeah, okay. No, not really. You see, the eighth offense is to consider the chanting of the holy name. Uh, it is one of the uh, auspicious ritualistic activities that uh, the fruitive activities offered in the Karmakanda. To think that chant, by chanting this Hare Krishna Mahamantra, we will get some material benefit. Punya. Chanting Hare Krishna is a material pious activity gives us Aichi, Punya. And the result of Punya is material enjoyment. Now when you are chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra, do you want any material enjoyment? No. Therefore it's not eighth offense. If you thought that chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra is one of the auspicious ritualistic activities that have been offered in the Karmakanda section of the Vedas, meaning what? Performance of austerity, performance of penance, uh, digging well, right, giving in charity, uh, and so forth. Those activities will give us material benefit. Hmm. But Hare Krishna Mahamantra is not, we are not chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra for some material benefit. Right? The purpose of chanting Hare Krishna Mahamantra is to have, to have the prerogative of serving Krishna. Now, when you are chanting Hare Krishna, what do you want? Devotion to Krishna. Right? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. That's at the beginning. Yeah. So he may have started it with that material desire, <coughs> but when he was chanting the Hare Krishna, chanting Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudeva, that's the mantra he actually got from Narad Muni. When he was chanting that mantra, he was actually performing Ashtanga Yoga at that time. And by performing Ashtanga Yoga, he achieved his perfection. And in his Samadhi stage, he saw the Supreme Personality of God. And the beauty of the Supreme Personality of Godhead was so overwhelming. Then he felt, why did I want some insignificant kingdom? Now that I have got to see the Lord, uh, it is like, as he himself mentioned, I was searching for some broken pieces of glass and now that I have found diamond, should I waste my time in broken pieces of glasses? Right? So that's, that way, it is not an offense. And first of all, he was not actually chanting the Mahamantra as such. But he was sincerely following what Narad Muni told him. He was just chanting the mantra and absorbed in the process, practicing the process of Ashtanga Yoga. 
Good question. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Any other question? Okay, uh, give it to him. I just want to thank you for wonderful lecture. You spoke about sound and spoke about meaningful sound and meaningless sound. First meaningless, then meaningful. <laughs> and uh, then you introduced mantra. Uh, I wanted to know, you often explain the Maha Mantra to people what it is and you talk about Mantra. Uh, are you to consider that uh, all sounds that are coming out of the scripture, even if they are explaining Kamakanda, are transcendental? Because the Mantra was explained to be that sound is coming from the spiritual dimension. Mm, very good point. You see, <coughs> From the mantras, reveal the Vedas in the heart of Brahma. Brahma got the revelation in his heart. But Brahma had two aspects. His main business was to manifest the material nature. Right? To fill up the universe with jivas, give them different bodies. Right? That was his main. And not only while giving them the bodies, he had to also make arrangements for their welfare. So he made all the arrangements. So that's one branch. Uh, that branch actually went in the form of Karmakanda. How to live in this world. For, you know, he gave that instruction. Then he gave instructions how to become liberated from this material bondage. That came as Ganakanda. Right? But then he gave another uh, line altogether. See, this Karmakanda and Jnanakanda is in the material direction. But he gave another direction, which is on the opposite direction, spiritual direction. That he gave to Narad Muni, Bhagavad Parampara. You get the thing? Like mantras are coming, how to, you know, one set of mantra is how to live happily in the material world. Uh, then another set of mantra, how to get out of the material nature. And then another set of mantra, when you get out of the material nature, then what are you going to do? Right? So, when you get out of the material nature, situate yourself in the spiritual sky. Uh, so that is the Bhagavat uh, branch of mantra. But that also brings up another important point which I did not mention uh, uh, in my class today. And that is, see, mantras are revealing different aspects or personalities of the spiritual sky. Right? But Mahamantra is revealing the Supreme Personality of Godhead through His name. Other mantras are, you know, different. Say for example, some mantras are revealing uh, Narayan. Some are uh, revealing Lord Shiva. Some mantras are revealing uh, Vishnu. 
Some mantras are revealing Nishingadev. Some mantras are revealing Lakshmi Devi. But Hare Krishna Mahamantra is revealing Radha Krishna of Vrindavan. But along with that comes Sammantha Gyan. This Sammantha Gyan will come from the spiritual master in the Parampara. The knowledge that flows will actually give the specific meaning and relationship with the personality of God. So according to Sammantha Gyan, let's say for example, some Sampradaya may chant Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Right? Now, this Mahamantra may indicate Hare as Hari. Right? Some mantra may reveal Ram as Lord Ramchandra. Some subtitle. According to some, it may reveal Balaram as Ram. But in some uh, understanding, it will reveal Ram as Krishna, Radha Raman Ram, Ramate Iti Rama. You get it? Like this Samandha Gyan will come from the spiritual master. And accordingly the mantra will become manifest. Good, good point sir. Yes, Krishna Chan. Uh, our, you see, like the Prabhupada did say, uh, this Ram is actually Balaram. According to us, our understanding, this Ram is not really Ramchandra. But if somebody is a Ram Bhakta, he can consider that this is Ramchandra. But our line is Balaram. Hmm? Prabhupada is giving that this Ram is Balaram. In the aspect, when Balaram is the establishing the Sambandha. Uh, Balaram is actually giving us uh, the real entry to the spiritual sky. But in our line, ultimately, this Ram indicates Krishna, Radha Raman Ram. So this Hare Rama is also Radha Krishna. So in the ultimate consideration, our line is this Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Mahamantra indicates Radhe Krishna, Radhe Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Radhe Radhe, Radhe Krishna, Radhe Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Radhe Radhe. And we variation of Hare as in Hare, Hara, Hare. This Hare, Hare for us is Hara, Radha That is with us, Hara is Radha Generally it is accepted that if somebody is not experiencing symptoms of ecstasy or if they try to get a Krishna Mahamantra, then he is committing ecstasy. And is there any way to know which one of the two or more one is committing? Or do we just simply accept 
Are there any indications? The uh, Prabhupada pointed out the first one is the worst of all offenses, Vaishnava Parat. Uh, it's a Hati Mata Parat. Because it's like a mad elephant uh, entering into a garden and destroying the garden. So that, uh, that's why the first offense is to be very, very carefully guarded against. Uh, yeah, and as far as uh, ecstatic symptoms are concerned, it's also said that, you see, Krishna sometimes doesn't give us the ecstasy. Because if you get into ecstasy, you won't be able to preach. But he wants you to preach that's why he is actually <laughs> not giving the ecstasy. <laughs> uh, like, therefore our business is, we preach and whatever Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wants, let him offer it to us. And it is not a matter of experiencing the ecstasy now. The most important consideration is in what state of consciousness we are going to leave our body. What if we experience ecstasy now and at the time of leaving the body forget Krishna? Uh, so rather, uh, let us prepare ourselves in such a way hmm, that we can remember Krishna at the time of leaving our bodies. Uh, in terms of Kaila, we chant in Kaila, we can say the Bharatam. The Bharatam won't come in place because there's no association with Kaila and Bharatam. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, that's why our ultimate consideration is that Ram is Krishna. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what to just say. I have some initiation that the offense of Hiritaism, Hiritaism chant was probably the worst of everything because it leads to all the other tenets. Yeah, yeah. No, that's why I said that attentive, I mean inattentive chanting or rather attentive chanting is taken for granted. When you are chanting it should be attentive. Right? That's why in the state offenses that hasn't been included. And there is somebody that made it on the and took me off the sea. I can't chant from one o'clock night that is happening for over a month. And the chant, the one will chant the Who doesn't want you to chant? No, I couldn't get that. You said, you, who does? They put me off the sea. Who? Name. name itself. Don't name the name. <laughs> neighbors. Oh, okay. Your neighbors. Oh, okay. Well, if your neighbors are disturbed, then don't chant so loudly. Huh? Or close your doors and windows so that they don't hear. Naturally, don't scream. <laughs> Where? 
Although, again, sometimes Prabhupada did allow some devotees. Uh, but that was a special case. Like once a devotee, some devotee was so busy taking care of the construction of Vrindavan temple construction that uh, he didn't have the time to chant. And somebody told Prabhupada that Prabhupada, he was not chanting his rounds. Prabhupada said, that's all right. That, that means, you know, Prabhupada is not giving a carte blanche, you know, thing that, well, nobody has to chant. But, you know, if one is so busy in some critical time, the temple has to be completed within certain time, and if he is so busy and he doesn't have the right time to chant, then, um, okay, it's all right. But it's for, only for the time being, hmm? in an emergency situation. Okay, another time Prabhupada actually said that they don't need to chant uh, is, <clears throat> you see, in Mayapur, at that time, a uh, lot of people came from Bangladesh after the Bangladesh was attacked by Pakistan. You know, there was a genocide in Bangladesh and many of them left Bangladesh and came to India. Uh, and some of them actually joined ISKCON at that time took shelter of Iskand and Prabhupada gave them shelter. And they were basically weavers. So for them Prabhupada actually started a weaving department. And their business was to weave. So one morning Prabhupada was just going around and so he asked uh, Bhavananda Prabhu at that time that what happened? Why they are not in the weaving? Why they are not weaving? And Bhavananda said that Prabhupada, they are chanting in the temple. Prabhupada said they don't need to chant. Their chanting is khat, khat, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. <laughs> you see like you, <laughs> you uh, weave, you know, by uh, moving your hand like this, I mean moving the... Uh, and so Prabhupada said that they don't, you know, their chanting is their service. I mean, that's another occasion Prabhupada said that. You know, meaning, let them chant while they are weaving. Uh, well, that was another... Yes, Monk, Nir Bhakta Nilay. Give it In communication studies, uh, we learn that meaningful sound becomes meaningless. If the person hearing the sound uh, doesn't understand the meaning, uh, the language or the purport of the sound. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Then if somebody comes here and starts speaking in Chinese, <laughs> will it be meaningful sound? Although to him it's meaningful, but to us it won't be meaningful. My question is is the mantra still effective if chanted despite ignorance of not knowing its value, meaning? Yes, yes. Uh, like Prabhupada is saying, it's like medicine. Uh, when you take the medicine, knowing the effect of the medicine or not, the medicine will work. So similarly, the mantra will work if you chant properly, offenselessly. <coughs> okay, so last question. So this is uh, from Michael uh, TV, it's from Rasulasi uh, And he's asking, how important is it to implement the Nabi Maharashtram in our Islamic society considering Shri Prabhupada left this for his disciples to complete? 
Yeah. Uh, it is, naturally it is important, Prabhupada said that it's 50% of what he has done. That means, uh, like Varnashram, establishing Varnashram is going to be, uh, going to match whatever Srila Prabhupada has achieved. So naturally it is very, very important. Uh, yeah, naturally it is most very important consideration. Thank you. Hare Krishna, all glories to Srila Prabhupada.